Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Oh, you're sitting? The 10th Sefirot, Part 3. Today we're going to conclude Chapter 3. And hopefully at the end of today, you'll be able to look at this chart and say, now I fully understand it. Good evening, Gladi. Good evening, Melissa. Good evening. We'll, we'll be recording today's class. Does anyone object? Okay. You don't want to look too closely, or you'll end up running around in circles. <laughs> so we've, went, we've gone through most of this chart. We discussed how the, we could break it up in, with an intellect and emotions. And we spoke about Chachma and Bina, wisdom and understanding. Wisdom being that initial flash, understanding, breaking it apart. We discussed how the emotions can only be born through our intellect. But we haven't discussed, perhaps, one of the most important parts of the ten sefirot, which is das, which is knowledge. You know, if you understand something well, that's going to be included in understanding. So what is knowledge? Let's look on our charts. If you don't mind share, looking with, with me on your chart. So it starts off on the right-hand column, you have Chachma wisdom. We go to the left, we have Bina understanding. And then we have knowledge. What is the difference, Liz, between understanding and knowledge? If you don't understand it well, then you're lacking understanding. If you understand it well, then you've gotten it. So what is knowledge? Knowledge is what you know. Understanding is how you know it, how you can per perceive it, how you can describe it. So knowledge is just like it's the after effect. Is that what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't say it's an after effect. I would say that it's... Um, because it happened, it's like an integrated thing. It's an outcome. Yeah. No. Okay. No. It's, it's, knowledge is not an outcome of under... Actually, wait a minute. No, I, I still don't think knowledge is an outcome. Okay, that's going to be our, our objective tonight, uh, to understand that. You know, what exactly it is. Yes, Basha. Could it be implementing what we know? Well, that's going to be then... Then well, that's going to fall into the next half, which is going to be either your emotions, or that's going to be what we're going to discuss next week, which is action. Remember, thought, speech, and action have nothing to do with the tense if he wrote. And, and we're going to discuss that next week, how the tense if he wrote are a part of you. Thought, speech, and action are not a part of you. So what then is knowledge? Joseph, Dr. Joseph, what is knowledge? Well, I think it's derived from Chachma and Bina somehow. Uh, <clears throat> but I think that, um, um, I think there's a more, more of a certainty about it, perhaps. So I think you're going along the lines of Liz, that it's kind of the end product. Is that, is it, am I correct? Yes, da, yes, David. A critical word is synthesis. Um, Knowledge is the product of the combination of understanding and wisdom. That's how you end up with knowledge. 
it, one, one cannot be produced without the other. And so the synthesis of the two is what produces knowledge. I'm still challenged to know, Bina only could come from Chachma. That means understanding only comes from wisdom. So what is knowledge adding? But you cannot have understanding if you don't have knowledge and wisdom. Okay, I hear you. So you have to have a synthesis. I hear you. I'm a little... Yes, please, Melissa. There's some things you just know without having to understand. Right, so that's what we're going to learn today. That what we think knowledge is and what the Torah thinks knowledge is are very, very far from each other. And just to share with you, when the Torah talks about the union of Adam and Eve, it says the word Adam knew Eve. He didn't know her in his mind. They actually had a relationship. So that's telling us that knowing someone in the truth, it, knowing something in its true sense, obviously, is much deeper and much more than just our, our thought process, which is, I have it, and we'll talk about that momentarily, what, that, what knowing is. But it really takes us back to the judicial system. And, and I'm, a little I'm in trouble because I'm sitting next to a former sheriff, and he's going to catch me if I make a mistake here. But throughout... <laughs> So far, I'm okay? <laughs> Throughout every country, there's a constant battle about when do you become a, an adult? When could you drink liquor? When, can you be, when are you allowed to buy cigarettes? When are you allowed to drive? And everything has its own age. The Torah, were luckily enough, set a standard. It says, good evening, Weishamendel. The Torah set a standard that says, 13, you're an adult. There are certain things the Torah says 20. It doesn't really. Okay. It says you have adult responsibilities insofar as learning the law and what's expected of you. There's a big difference. David, and could you tell me any difference? Could you tell me any difference in the Torah between a bar mitzvah boy and a 99-year-old in Torah? Yes, we're not going to flog uh, a. Um, 13-year-old for violating some aspect of, uh, of Machus. Where does it say that? It's in there. Where? <laughs> that a 13-year-old a, a right. adult, if he transgresses Shabbos, or it says he's not going to get Malchus? He, well, but, but let's define how he gets it. He does not have the same degree of accountability that an adult does. And there's provision in there for the judges to make a decision uh, as to what's appropriate. That's a separate, so you're bringing a clause. The judges have the ability to, to judge the case. But as a whole, the Torah says 99 and 100, 13 and 99 have the same responsibility. Judges could come and make, maybe make a difference. Is that a fair statement? Uh, I, I don't want to sidetrack the class, at least not now. Um, thank you. Um, there's a difference between responsibility and accountability, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. What, I, what I'd like to make you, what I'd like to say is that in the Torah, there's very little difference, very little between a 13-year-old and a 99-year-old in their status, in, in their responsibility. There are certain things, for example, chorus, 
If someone does something that they're liable to be cut off, as the Torah says, Karas, that means they die before the age of 60, the Torah does say that's something normally you have to be 20 years old. But generally speaking, 13 and any other age is, yes, it is, is the same. Well, you have to stand up for, like, for older people, and that's kind of... There is a detail of if someone is older, 70, you need to stand up for them. Thank you, Mendel, for, for observing that. But actually, that has nothing to do with how smart you are. The fact you need to stand up for a 70-year-old has to do, they could be someone that has no wisdom at all. A Torah scholar, you have to stand up even if he's 13. If he, you know, it's, so, so, what is the difference? Why is it that every country is constantly fighting? How, why can't we just come up with this standard age of adulthood? In other words, my question to you is, and Lottie, please share with us, what makes an adult? What's the difference between a child and an adult? Someone who is uh, responsible for their actions has an understanding of the ramification of their actions. So I could go very often. Knowledge. I, Mendel Mishalavin understands very well what he's doing. Okay. And Mendel Mishalavin is a very bright boy. And he knows, he's learning now, he's learning, he's learning a curriculum, and he knows the laws backwards and forwards. Compliments to Mendel, he just took an amazing test and did great. But my question is, what do you mean by knowing? I know people, 13-year-olds, that are smarter than your average 50-year-old. This does exist. So what, what defines an adult? Experiences. Experiences. So at what point do you say you had enough experience? Maturity. Maturity. Could you des describe what the word maturity means in our context? I guess a sense of <coughs> self-knowledge that's based on experience. Self-knowledge based on experience, going back to what Michael said. Okay, anyone else want to share? You want, no? I'd like to share with you the following, a numerous stories that I think will all bring out the same point. Imagine you're learning a Gemara. And the Gemara, you're learning a chapter called Elu Mitzias. It talks about lost objects. And you learn that if you find the wallet in the middle of the street, then you're allowed to pick it up and keep it if it has no signs and it wasn't in a specific area, etc. <coughs> There's two people that learned this Gemara. One of them is Liz, who's never lost her wallet. And one of them is Maisha Mendel, who lost his wallet numerous times on the street. Let me tell you, each of you are going to be learning this Gemara completely different. Liz is going to be like, wow, this is nice Gemara, but no questions. My Shemendel is going to be like, one second, one second. I know, I'm familiar with this type of stuff. Talk to me more about it. I want to know every detail. He's connecting with this Gemara all of a sudden. He's getting worried. He's like, well, <laughs> Das means to connect. I'll share with you another. It's a story. Never happened, but it's, it's a tragic story. And I think we could all connect with it. There was a villager, and we know, we know, we go back to the villagers back in Russia, peasants, they weren't, they weren't able to read and write. But they know Torah is important. And, they hi and this specific man, Moshe, he hired a teacher for his child. This man left his family, and he comes to live with Moshe during, the, during every few months, and he'd go home. And one of his additional jobs was to open the mail and read it to his boss, read it to Moshe. A letter comes one day, and the letter reads, 
Dear Moshe, I'm very sorry to have to inform you of the death of your father. The teacher reads it. He keeps on reading. Moshe hears this. He faints. Now why is it that the person who saw the letter, the person who read the letter, he's ta he has brains, yet he's not affected. But the person who just heard it, he faints. What's, what's the difference, Moshe Mendel? The connection. He connected with it. So Das means that do we connect with what we're doing. You go to an art gallery. Das would be to be able to get lost looking at a painting. You forget where you are. You forget what, what, day, what day of the week it is. You're just lost in this painting. You've connected with that painting. That is Das. That is understanding. I remember I was in Perth, Australia. And over there, there was a man who knew the Torah backwards and forwards. Brilliant, brilliant man. Yet unfortunately, didn't keep a word of the Torah. A Jewish man. Very tragic story. How is it that this man, he is the ultimate. He knew Torah. He, he truly was a Torah scholar. Yet he didn't keep a word of what he was learning. And that goes back to this point. He didn't connect with it. Is everyone familiar with the famous story of the famous philosopher Aristotle? He was once caught in, a, in an inappropriate place and his students asked him, how are you there? And he said, today I'm not Aristotle. You know, I'm, I'm Aristotle in class. He, didn't, he, he could say one thing. It doesn't mean he had to practice what he preached. So that is Das. Das means... And that is what knowledge is. And, and that's what we see from, from the fact when the Torah connects. When it says that Adam knew Eve, it meant that they connected. And that is so knowledge doesn't mean to know something. So Melissa said, I, perhaps you could be born with knowledge. You're not born with knowledge. You're born with an understanding of something. But you're not born with a connection to it. And that could only come across through spending time thinking about it. It's impossible. It's impossible to truly connect with something without, without spending time thinking about it. You know, we could all go to a uh, talk, we could go to a lecture, and we could be inspired. I told David, today I came back from Seattle, I was there overnight. We had, there was a gathering there, a Hakil gathering. It was a tremendous event, and I was inspired. Will I be inspired tomorrow? That will depend. If tonight I'm going to spend time really thinking about what was accomplished, and how much it, it meant to me. But if I don't think about it, we all know. Pasha, did you ever have an experience where you just didn't cash in on it? You didn't mm -hmm. apply it to your life? I ask you because I'm sure that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> we all have experiences where we, right, we, we were inspired, but it, it doesn't mean anything. And that's because we're lacking Das. So, not only, that's going to be called fake knowledge. Now there's a new term, it's called fake knowledge. Fake knowledge is when we're inspired, but we don't apply that inspiration. Now let's look inside of the Tanya, and hopefully we'll be able to connect with everything we've learned. Yes, Basha. Does that, is that, that has to come internal, from internally. It's not like an external thing that, I mean, we can learn something, but somehow it just doesn't resonate with us. That's, that's precisely, that, and that's exactly why we go back, going back to children. Children could learn something. 
they could know it. They understand it, they truly understand it. They understand it better than all of us. But it doesn't mean anything to them. You know, they say this famous story, a child was giving a class, a brilliant class, and all the people there were caught up in the class, and the train comes and hoots, and the child runs away, and the people there are like gas gapping, trying to... Because that's a child. It's not, no, it's a person after my own heart. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But that's how we say that Katan, a child, aimed by Das. He doesn't have knowledge. Of course he has understanding, but he doesn't have knowledge. And that is why every country is grappling. They're trying to know, at what age do you gain knowledge? It's a tough question. And, and they're, they, all they have is experience. We have the Torah. The Torah says, certain things at 13, 13 certain things at 20. It doesn't say gaining knowledge. It's a time when would you assume responsibility. But you could only assume responsibility if you have knowledge, if, you can, if you're able to connect with something. But it's an ongoing process, and that's one of the important <coughs> things about our religion. Some gestalt doesn't take place where um, today I am a fountain pen, bingo, and what all. At 13, you, at, by that at, 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 at 13, first of all, you certainly think you know everything. But aside from that, at 13, you have the... No, ability. that's at 15. <laughs> 15. <laughs> at, at 13, you have the ability to connect with what you're learning. Okay. And by the way, this is a very important point. We often go to our mitzvah and you see a little kid, he's a baby, and you're like, hey, what's going on here? What happens at 13 is that he has the first chance to truly connect with something, truly understand, truly have something mean something to him. Let's look inside of the Tanya. In our Tanya itself, we're on page 12, the right-hand column. It says, dot is the first word of the paragraph. If you have the copies, we're on page number 2, last paragraph, das. Um, have, would you like a copy? I'm okay, I'm Oh, fantastic, okay. Um, does everyone, a lot of you able to, you found the place? You got it? Yeah. Das! Do have the next word? How, how do you read this? Etymology? Das implies attachment and union. What's this word here? Etymology? Etymology. It means the source of the word. Das, the etymology of which is to be found in the verse, like we quoted, and Adam knew Yoda Eve. Adam Yoda Eschava. Like you could see in the footnote on number four. Now the man knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and she said, I've acquired a man with the Lord. In your handouts, in your <laughs> yeah, it's not a, in your footnote. You'll see the pasuk. Is the handout from two weeks or two weeks ago? Yes, the handouts go by the chapter. Yes, yes, yes. That is, one binds his mind with a very firm and strong bond. So, like we've said before, you could only have knowledge. You could only connect with something if you think. We need to think. And firmly fixes his thought. That means in addition to thinking, I know myself. Very often I sit down to think, but I get lost in my thoughts. That's not called thinking. Thinking is, when we have time to think, that's A. But B is, we're able to focus. We're able to firmly fix our mind. And what are we thinking about in our context here, in chapter 3? On the greatness of the blessed Ein Sof. What does Ein Sof mean? Without end. Without end, which is a reference to God. 
So we have to go, so again, you're spending time and firmly fixing your mind on the greatness of the Ein Sof without diverting his mind from him, from God. So it's a big task. We have to be able to sit down, focus, and not lose focus. And we're not talking about doing this for one minute. The Talmud, you know, just before someone asked me, he said, why, what's with Hasidus? Is it a new thing? Why are some people not so kind to Hasidim? I just want to share with you the Gemara in Brachis. Shares with us, it says the following quote, Hasidim Harishoinim. The original Hasidim, they would come to Shul for an hour and think. They would daven for an hour and then they would think another hour. And they did this three times a day. Total, nine hours. The Gemara continues and says, so how did they have Parnasa? God bless them. But the idea of thinking, the idea of spending time connecting to God is not something that we're initiating in the, in the year Tav Shin Ayin Vav 5776-2016. Not at all. This is something the Torah requires. And I'd like you to look for a moment in footnote number 5 in your handout. Footnote number 5, it's a quote from the Ramah, Ramosh Israelish. He put comments in the Shulchan Aruch of Rabbi Yosef Karo. And the Ramah says, prior to prayer, contemplate about the majesty of the God who is exalted. This is a practical halacha, Every day required from each and every one of us that before we dive in, we need to spend time thinking about God. So much so you're not allowed to walk into shul and start davening. You know there's laws, you're not allowed to dive in too close to the door. You have to wait before you come into shul. We're talking to God. Here, in our minion, Dr. Yosef can attest that actually we started a practice. Maisha Mendel can attest to it. We started a practice in fulfillment of this halacha, that we spend a minute thinking, I tell the students, we're now going to spend a minute and think about what we're doing. Think, we're davening to Hashem. Spend a minute. Spend. This is something that the Shulchan Aruch re requires of us. It's not a Hasidic innovation. But when we do this, let's see what we're going to accomplish. For even one who is wise and understanding, like we said, you could be brilliant. And you know the greatness of the blessed ain't so. You fully understand Hasidus. You fully understand Kabbalah. And unfortunately, I'm familiar with people that similarly. They, they, they know Hasidus. And if you have a question, you ask them. They'll know it. But they will not. Unless he binds his knowledge and fixes his thought with firmness and perseverance. Produce in his soul true love and fear. You could know Hasidus, you could know Kabbalah, you could know Torah, and it won't affect you without allowing it to affect you, without allowing it to permeate within you. And that is Das. So that's why I said that Das, knowledge, is one of the most important aspects of understanding something. If we're not going to spend time to connect with it, I, I'm going to say it's almost as if we didn't learn it. Now the Torah disagrees with that statement. And I'll tell you why. Because the Torah says, learn, and it will, it will drip in. It will, it will get you. It will hit you. But nonetheless, until that ha time, just learning itself is not going to help. 
You know, it's, imagine you go to class. And the man of the class says, every morning you have to get up at 5 a.m. And he explains to you why every reason. Are, are you going to get up the next morning and get up at 5 a.m., Michael? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, you will. I can tell you, I probably won't. Why should I wake up at 5 a.m.? So he said something nice. How many people smoke and they know it's not healthy for you? Dr. Yosef, you've ever heard of anyone who smokes? <laughs> does, does, and have you ever told those people it's not so good for them? Yeah. And they still smoke? Sometimes. That's crazy. Why? <laughs> but th this is the reason. Because it hasn't connected with them. They, they may think about it. And they may truly understand that it's not good for them. But they haven't allowed that thought to really be one with them. You agree, Melissa? Well, I think it's more than just the thought. It's the addiction then and all the other stuff that goes along with it. They might know and thought that how it's bad for them. Then there's True. But we're saying that until they, until they break that addiction, they don't have knowledge. Until, because, I mean, they haven't really connected with it. Right. If you truly connect with it, if it's one with you, then you have that knowledge. So knowledge is very deep. And not every time we think about something do we have knowledge, and I can only talk for myself, but I would say the majority of times I think about something, I don't have knowledge. How often do I take everything I learn and spend time contemplating it and thinking about it? Not for a minute, but we're talking for a substantial amount of time. Like I said, the Hasidim in the Talmud spent an hour before and after davening, a total of two hours. When was the last time any of us spent two hours thinking about a specific topic without losing focus? I could only talk for myself. I don't have it on record. <laughs> yeah. So wait, so Rabbi, do you think someone who has enough knowledge will be able to break their addiction? I, just, I don't know. I think I disagree. I think there's people who have tons and tons of knowledge and are very, very intelligent people and do make a connection, but I think there is something physical or chemical that goes on with addiction. What does the word knowledge mean? What is your definition of that? Well, you tell me your definition first. <laughs> it's in, in information, and from what you're saying, it's like making a connection about what's going on. Information is understanding, that's not knowledge. If, if information is something you understand. Really making a connection, like right. So on. knowledge is not thinking about it. Knowledge is it's one with you. So it has nothing to do with the way we perceive. We understand the word knowledge to mean that I have something in my brain. On the contrary, if it's in your brain and it hasn't affected you, it's just something you understand. It's also so emotional element to it. Well, well emotions is going to be what that we're going to talk about in a moment. If you have knowledge, and that's what, that's, this will go back to the smoking, if you have knowledge, you'll automatically have emotions about it. True emotions. Yes, I do want to say, of course, some people are addicted and they could truly be scared of smoking and nonetheless they can't break it. I'm not arguing with that point, of course. I'm just saying that there's people that are, are, are not yet addicted and still they don't stop smoking. Okay. If you go over to see, why would that be? Because they just, they don't connect with the issue. They understand it. They truly understand it. I mean, I once, I heard of doctors, I don't know if that's your, if, if this is the way how you do it, but they take out pictures of lungs, and they truly make the people understand what's mm -hmm. happening when they smoke. Mm -hmm. So the people truly understand it, mm -hmm. but they haven't connected with it. So knowledge means to connect. Mm -hmm. now, now, just to rephrase, I'm not at all saying that's the English definition. Okay. Knowledge, in English, I, I didn't look it up, I probably should, should have Googled it, it would be interesting. I am not teaching you today what the word knowledge means. 
Today I'm teaching you, and please do listen, to say it out loud. I'm teaching you today what the word das means. Our closest understanding is the word knowledge. But do not go out of this room saying that today I learned... I, I'm not teaching you English. <laughs> That's the, David Aiken will teach us English. Um, David, you tell me, what does the word knowledge mean in English? Yeah, let's see. Our own dictionary. <laughs> Go. Uh, knowledge, <laughs> knowledge means the acquisition of experiences and facts uh, which go to produce a composite of increased understanding and dealing with the world. Now, it could be in dealing with the world in abstract or intellectually or practically, but it is a composite of both. So, before Melissa goes ahead, I'm just, so it sounds to me like, that from what you're saying, that knowledge is not only understanding, it's understanding together with experience. Okay? Facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education, the, theor the theoretical and practical understanding of a subject. So, we could just ask David from now on. <laughs> Good job. Okay. Google when you have David. So, what I want to clarify is... Do I get an A? You got an A+. Plus. <laughs> what I want to clarify is that clearly tonight I'm not teaching you the correct legal definition of knowledge, which is experience together with understanding. I'm teaching you today what the word das means, and I've proven to you from the, from the Torah using the word das in connection with the relationship of husband and wife, we now understand that das... Yishai, it's waiting for you right here, or wherever you'd like. We now understand that das means to connect. So knowledge, when it comes to the tense of he wrote, means to connect and become one with that idea. So, so long as we're not one with that idea, we don't have das. And that is why I'm saying that I'm challenged to be able to tell you how often I have das on a topic. Melissa Bloom is always having das. She's always connecting. But I, I, for myself, I can't say that. Thank you. Of course. So it isn't, oh, it isn't um, it, I mean, we can, we can desire to have das, but it isn't always there for us. When we it's always in our potential. All that needs to happen to have das is to sit down for, for a substantial amount of time, not a minute. Five minutes, sometimes it'll be a half hour. If it's a complicated concept, complicated concept, it may take an hour. But we always have the potential to connect with the idea, as long as we truly think about it. If we don't understand it, we'll never connect with it. And that goes back to our, our paper here, and like what David was saying. If I don't have the wisdom and understanding, I'll never connect with it. I don't have the ability to connect with it. I don't understand it. What am I connecting with? I love Niagara Falls. What do I love about Niagara Falls? So if you understand what you love about it, You'll be able to connect with it. <coughs> Any other questions? Yes, Mike. Is DAS like uh, internalization of a topic or an idea? Like internalizing that? Is that what? Absolutely. It's, it's spending time to make it one with you. Internalizing. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you hit the Chabad thing? What? Did you hit the Chabad thing? DAS is the third part of Chabad. Chachm bina das, which is. Did you tell everybody that already? Okay, so David is, is reminding me just to to re, to uh, restate that Chabad is an acronym. Yes, thank you. Chachm bina and das, which is wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So that means that yes, I do have a big task. If I say that I am a representative of Chabad, 
That means, and that means I do take time to connect with an idea. And that is why, in our minion, Mendel Mishalav in every morning has a minute. For the younger students, a minute is a lot of time. I want to <laughs> <laughs> has a minute. For the older students that are in third grade. A lot of Chabad people that have multiple things happening that a minute at any age sometimes is hard. So, yes, and I will tell you, I will guarantee you, this is a guarantee. If you spend a minute every day thinking about God, even one minute, I guarantee there will be a change in your life. But thinking, meaning that you don't allow anything else to disturb you. Your phone could be ringing, everything could be happening, but for that minute, you're fully focused. And I guarantee you, it will also bring you some peace and serenity in your life. You're able to, if you're able to completely... Are you back here? <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. <laughs> okay, let's continue on back into Tanya. We've just established that Tanya is connecting. And now we say that... Let, let's go back to the line for even. For even one who is wise in understanding of the greatness of the blessed Ein Sof will not, unless he binds his knowledge and fixes his thought with firmness and perseverance, produce in his soul true love and fear, but only vain realities. That means you may believe you went to this amazing class. You may leave this class saying, you know what, I'm really inspired. But you'll only know if you're inspired, if you're inspired in two days, with that same inspiration. If you leave this class inspired, but it leaves you, then you had understanding. You truly understood what you, what you heard tonight, but you didn't have that, you didn't connect with it. So now we see, and now we could connect, we understand that the first three, Chachma, Bina, and Das, are, are all connected with our wisdom. Our, with our intellect, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, they're all connected with our intellect. But only with them could we now have the following seven sefirot, the feelings, the emotions. Because a true feeling will only come if I have Das connection. And therefore, Das is the basis of the Midot, of our emotions, and the source of their vitality. Listen to this word. The source of their vitality. It contains chesed and gevura. That is to say love with its offshoots and fear with its offshoots. So that means das, this connection, is necessary for any true feeling. Let me give you an idea. Let me give you an example. There's Everything in life can be broken up into two, love and fear. Maybe sometimes you could combine them, but everything can be connected to love and fear. Greed and fear. What? Greed and fear. Greed? In markets, yeah. Greed, you get fearful. That, so greed and fear are connected? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not well, sure if they're connected. They're like greed... Size of this, this, I, I, how are they connected? Yeah, greed is the opposite <clears throat> of fear? In markets, in the way things trade. I'm, I'm listening to your word. I'm trying to connect it to what we're learning now. Oh. <laughs> let, me, let me share the point and then I want to get back to this. Let's see if we can connect it. Everything in life is either about connection 
or separation. Everything falls into these two categories. Can I connect or can I separate? For example, loving someone is connection. Being strict on someone is separation. Having a, a victory over someone is generally going to be separation on a, in a simple level. Going ahead and binding, binding with someone can be a so that's going to be... Everything in life can be connected to either connection or separation. Could anyone help me? I'm just thinking about this. Where would his greed fall into this conversation? Lottie, where does greed fall in? Well, it's sort of like love in a sense, in a, in a commercial sense, that people fall in love with a stock or a commodity, and they become greedy about the outcome. Okay. They, okay, that, that's a fair point. And, and then some, when they become fearful, they can't wait to unload it. <coughs> I have to ask my, my teacher here what he thinks. <laughs> does, does, do you agree with that? How did I get into this? <laughs> no. You decided to sit at the head table. <laughs> Well, this is where I always sit. Uh, with respect, I disagree. Fear is another aspect of both emotion and wisdom. It has to be taken into consideration. One can be legitimately fearful, or it can be a Pavlovian response to a, uh, to a difficult situation. Uh, I, I don't mean to be critical, but I would think fear doesn't enter into this specifically. Fear or greed? Fear? Did he say fear or greed? I thought he said fear. No, I, I just said that I thought it was an example of two opposite emotional... Uh, they conflict in a marketplace where uh, people overreact one way or another. You know, uh, uh, events, motivations, maybe. What? Fear and greed as motivations. Well, I'd like uh, to make a point. Maybe maybe maybe. Maybe. But I think that if if they have uh, anything, greed is a separation. I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead with your permission, <laughs> and I appreciate that point. I want to go. So, in summary, what the point that was just made is that everything in life is connected to either separation or connection. And that is why we say that chesed and gevura, kindness, and stringency are the, as, as Tanya says, love with its offshoots and fear with its offshoots. The last word of chapter 3, our love is the foundation and it has offshoots, and fear is a foundation and, and has offshoots, meaning that all the other sefirot, all the other methods of feeling, of emotions, all fall under either the category, either a sub-branch of fear or a sub-branch of love. A sub-branch of chesed kindness, which is often called love, and a sub-branch of fear, which, a sub-branch of givur stringency, which is often called fear. Is that clear? Yes, Dr. Yosef. Um, so I would agree with Michael that uh, <clears throat> I think greed definitely would lead you to separation. Okay. Both from your fellow human being and from, from Hashem. I think it would not be a connection. I think it would be a separation. Okay. I think, I think Yishai was saying that it, and you feel when you have greed that you're connecting. 
but you're saying practically you're actually separating from everyone else. That's what I mean. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But this is only relative to like a commercial transaction right. situation, not a faith-based. I mean, got it. Some people might have faith in well. das is a is a trick of the ten sefirot. It's tricky because. Within Das, there are two parts. There is... Because when you think about something long enough, that's going to give birth to feelings. So the second you have a feeling, it's not Das anymore. It's now feelings. It's now gone on to either Chesed, Kindness, or Gavur, Severity. So Das, the exact switch from the connection to a feeling is tricky. And that is why the tefillin has four boxes. If you look carefully, you'll see tefillin has four compartments. And in the tefillin shell, yeah, the one on the hand is only one, but in the head, there's four boxes. Remember, the head tefillin is connected to your brain, connected to your intellect. And sometimes there are not only three parts to your intellect, there are four. Why? Because when das is, when you're connecting with something, within that connection, you're actively working on chesed and gevura. That means you don't just, I mean, let's just take, take a child. You don't just give birth to a child. You're first pregnant with the child for nine months. And the same thing is das doesn't just give birth to feelings. As you're thinking and connecting with something, you're, you're, so to say, becoming pregnant with the emotions of love and fear, of kindness and severity. And so das, at times, can be broken up into two. So the four parts of your intellect are chachma, wisdom, being understanding, das, with the love attribute, and then das with the fear attribute. And then it's, once, the, once the feelings come into actuality, it's not das anymore, it's at that point it is now feelings. Body, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Could you summarize? Higher dot and lower dot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Melissa, could you summarize? Why tefillin has four if your intellect naturally only has three parts to it? Anyone want to summarize? Mendel, you want to summarize? Go ahead. Because when you're thinking about something for long enough, then you then it, you kind of like connect with it, like in either with chesed or with um, Fantastic, fantastic. When you're thinking about it, you'll give birth momentarily to the two feelings of chesed and gavura, and therefore, before you've actually given birth, when you're still pregnant with the ideas, your das has both two attributes to it, two sides. But the first doesn't come into play in Well, the second, the second you go under das, under your knowledge, all of this are now emotions. Everything here is emotions. Hence the colors. Correct. I'm not sure how they... What, what's... Because colors have emotions. And so, like, the warmer colors are, like, that's why some are probably red and blue. 
happiness, sadness, all those things. Fair enough. I, I'm not familiar with that aspect of it, but there probably is some truth to that. So, yes, Maishamelo, just in short, Chesed and Gevura together will give birth to Tiferes. That's why there's two, dot, there's two arrows to it. So just to quickly re- remind ourselves, the chart reads from right to left. So you have Chachma, then you have Bina, wisdom, understanding, and together they give birth to knowledge. Then you continue with kindness and severity, and together they give birth to beauty. Net victory and splendor together give birth to foundation and kingship, etc. So with your permission, I'd like to summarize what we've accomplished, and with this we'll end chapter 3, and I'll just give you a quick uh, tour into chapter 4. We started off chapter 1 saying that we have an animalistic soul. Saying that we have challenges in life, we have struggles. We went on to chapter 2, and we said we have a godly soul. The godly soul, we said, is completely one with God. We now, today, we concluded chapter 3, and in chapter 3 we said that both souls, each of them, have the ten attributes. And we've established in chapter 3 that the ten attributes is broken up into two parts. It's broken up, the first three are your intellect, the last seven are your emotions, and the specific, the last thing we ended with was that we could think as much as we want. But if we don't try and connect with the idea, we won't give birth to real feelings. We can only give birth to real feelings if we connect, if we actually think about something. Next week, chapter 4, we're going to start learning how each of these souls has three types of garments. Let's say they're pink, blue, and yellow. Whatever. However, just like we all have garments, we'll discuss that next week, we have three garments that, we could, that our soul could wear. I'm not going to ask anyone here how many shirts they have, but most probably we all have more than three shirts. But our souls only have three types of... Sorry, let me say it in other words. We all have more than three types of garments. Let's say we have a shirt, we have you know, shoes, we have socks, we have pants or skirts, whatever it is. The soul, and, we, and each of those, we have numerous items. Our soul only has three types of garments. But, our soul cannot do anything without these three garments. And we'll discuss that next week. I highly encourage you to come. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Any questions before we conclude? Okay. <laughs> no, yes, Melissa is saying be careful what you wear next week. Thank you very much.